Today, friends, we're going to confront the destructive nature of hypercriticism. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I can assure you, God is not honored by quote-unquote worship that comes out of false churches that blaspheme his name every single time they gather. He is not honored by music that comes out of false churches that exploit the poor, the sick, the desperate, the widows who preach a false Jesus, a false atonement, and a false gospel. God is not honored when we sing music that comes out of that. That was Justin Peters speaking specifically about Bethel or churches like Hillsong saying it's a false gospel, a false Jesus, a false atonement. And every time they gather, they blaspheme Jesus. So if you sing their songs, you're dishonoring God. Is this true? Are we dealing with false churches, false Jesus, false atonement, false gospel? And when groups like Bethel, Hillsong gather together, they are blaspheming Jesus every single time. Or are there dangerous overstatements? Is this the difference between constructive criticism, which is wonderful and life-giving and necessary and important and should be embraced by every believer, the difference between constructive criticism and destructive criticism? Hey, friends, welcome to the broadcast. This is Michael Brown. If you want to weigh in specifically on today's subject in agreement with me or disagreement, the number to call is 866-34-TRUTH. 866-348-7884. Uh, some months back, I said, look, I've, I've reached out every different way. I know how to different critics sought to, di- to interact. I've seen such a lack of ethic in the way they've attacked and misrepresented things that I'm just not going to deal with them for the next period of time. And it's been months, really, since I've said anything about this. But a few things happened one after the other. Within a few days, different clips were sent to me, some very recent, some going back a few months uh, and I thought, you know, it, it's, it's important to deal with this. Now, please hear my heart. I'm not mad at anyone. You'll see quite a few have attacked me personally. I'm not mad at them. I, I recognize them as brothers in the Lord, despite the fact I believe they're doing a lot of damage, a lot of harm. Whatever good they're doing is being outbalanced by the harm and danger that they're bringing by deceptive, wrong, ugly things that should not be said, that are untrue, that are divisive. And we're going to deal with a number of specifics today. So for the good of the body, for the honor of the Lord, and as an elder in the body, not just a novice coming at this, I I want to speak in a constructive and helpful way. Look, we're commanded in Scripture not just to love one another, right, but to speak the truth in love to one another. So I'm all for speaking the truth. Let me say it again. I'm all for constructive criticism. I have whole books with specifics, names, details, where I differ with doctrines, things that are being taught, and I lay out the issues as clearly as I can in the most constructive way I can, but confronting falsehood head on. By God's grace, I'll continue to do that. Not that I'm God's corrector-in-chief or the chief policeman in the body, but we each have our role, and it's someone that's called to teach within the church. Doctrinal error, practices that are erroneous, these things grieve me as well. But I'm also grieved by the bearing of false witness, 
by exaggerations and sometimes outright lies that are told about others in the body. What does it say in the Ten Commandments? Exodus chapter 20. What's written in verse 13? So it starts with uh, verse 13. Lotinaf, don't, uh, I'm sorry, Lotirzach, don't murder. Lotinaf, don't commit adultery. Lotignov, don't steal. Those, that, that's pretty heavy. Murder, adultery, stealing. And then, and don't bear false witness against your neighbor. That's how serious this is in the sight of God. Take a look with me in Proverbs chapter 6. This is, this is really striking. Proverbs chapter 6 that lists the six things that God hates. So let's scroll down to verse 16 in Proverbs chapter 6. And it says this, Six things the Lord hates, seven are an abomination to him. And then it goes through a haughty bearing, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Pretty heavy stuff. A mind that hatches evil plots, feet quick to run to do evil. And then, So a, a lying witness, a false witness, and and the one who spreads dissension among brothers. My contention is, friends, that destructive criticism by overstating, by exaggerating, by not giving a full and honest picture does more harm than it does good. And not only so, it dishonors brothers and sisters in the Lord. Not only so, it dishonors the Lord and it creates division rather than constructive ways that we can correct error and come together in unity. Uh, I was not aware of this conference. I didn't track it as it was happening, but I guess kind of a follow-up to Strange Fire. And Phil Johnson, who I've had on the air, in fact, we'll play a clip from on the air later in the broadcast, and with whom I've had extensive email interaction, he was mentioning me specifically at this conference. Let's go to clip number two. The sane and sober charismatics actually serve as a gateway drug to draw people into the vortex of charismatic error. Some of them purposely turn a blind eye to the manifest errors of their charismatic brethren while they angrily scold critics who try to point out these dangers to other people. Michael Brown, for example, famously claimed not long ago when someone challenged him on his relationship to NAR leaders, he claimed that the NAR is just a myth and that critics of the NAR are spinning a conspiracy theory. Well, that's the truth. The NAR the way the critics present it, is a myth. Uh, in December, I met for the first time Bill Johnson's brother. So Bill Johnson, brother-in-law, excuse me, pastor of Bethel Church. I met his brother-in-law who pastors the church in Silicon Valley. And he wanted to talk to me before the service, get to know me. You know, one of his first questions was, because what's NAR? What's this NAR thing? What are they talking about? I've talked to all the alleged top leaders and like, what's NAR? What are they talking about? Yes, is there something that Peter Wagner dubbed the New Apostolic Reformation? Yes, and did that have specific leaders that worked together with him on that? Yes. No question about it. And for decades and decades, have many of us believed in what we call fivefold ministry, that there are apostles and prophets alive today, but distinct from the biblical apostles and things like that? Yes, it's totally separate. Never heard of NAR as long as I believe that. But what the critics have done have lumped all different groups, dominionists, word of faith, different things, put them together in NAR. So the way it's described by the critics is a myth that doesn't exist. If you want to talk about specific practices, beliefs, great. We'll talk about it. No problem. Glad to do it. 
But I'm speaking the truth. And by the way, I'm not angrily scolding the hypercritics and the destructive critics. I'm pointing out error. And the sane and sober charismatics, as Phil Johnson dubs them, are not a gateway drug to error. They are the gateway to the deeper life of the spirit and the word that the Bible talks about. All right, Phil Johnson continues. He does acknowledge that there are serious errors in the charismatic movement, but it's always in the most general way possible. What I mean is he never actually points out any specific cases of fraud or falsehood, and he never names the guilty parties. And that in and of itself might be okay if Dr. Brown had not repeatedly come out forcefully to the defense of some of the charismatic movement's worst charlatans. Actually, there's not a charlatan in the world that I defend. And God forbid. And I'm not going to defend a crazy practice either. Now, just because someone is going to characterize certain, something a certain way or call someone a charlatan doesn't mean they are a charlatan. But here's the deal. I've, I've written open letter to Joel and Victoria Osteen long before I ever wrote an open letter to John MacArthur. I wrote an open letter to Joel and Victoria Osteen about the nature of the gospel that they preached. I, I wrote an open letter why Creflo is not getting any of my dollars. My book, Hyper, Hyper Grace, I deal at length with Pastor Joseph Prince and, and other hypergrace teachers in that book. Uh, my book, Whatever Happened to the Power of God, came out in 1991, critiquing errors and extremes in the charismatic movement, of which I am a part, part of the larger charismatic church. Okay, so I, I've been addressing errors for years. My book, Playing with Holy Fire, is, is, is quite specific. I mean, if we look at the table of contents in Playing with Holy Fire, what am I dealing with? I'm dealing with issues of uh, why are we so gullible? So a whole book on this came out a couple years ago. Mercenary prophets, superstar leaders, abusive leadership, unaccountable prophecies, sexual immorality, the pep talk prosperity gospel, celebrating doctrinal deviance to the third heaven and back in a flash, wanting to be wise like the world. And where do we go from here? I've, I've called out these abuses loudly and clearly for years. Now, there's a time where you name names, like I do in my, my Hyper Grace book, specifics, individuals, quotes. And there's a time when you don't name names because you're dealing with general practices, issues, or something that's going on in another country where, where you haven't been able to interact with the leaders involved and things like that. And here, if I ask you, okay, Paul kept writing about the false apostles and warning about the false apostles. What were their names? What were the names of the false apostles? Peter warning about false teachers. What were the names of the false teachers? Okay. Many times they're not named in the New Testament. So if you want to criticize me for not always naming names, then criticize Paul and Peter and, and John and others in the New Testament or Jude who warn about certain issues and specific things and, and teachers generically without naming names specifically. And by the way, John MacArthur, Pastor MacArthur, quoted from my book, Whatever Happened to the Power of God, in a favorable way in his Strange Fire book. So folks know I've been addressing these issues for years, but I'm not going to play to the tune of the hypercritics. Just because you want to raise an extreme practice over here, what does that have to do with me? I'm not the defender of everything in the charismatic church. Come on now. Here, let's think of this for a second. You're a Southern Baptist. So do you think Al Mohler is accountable for every sermon preached in every Southern Baptist church, you got some weirdo Southern Baptist who's you know, King James only fanatic to the point that he says, you know, burn your Bibles. In, you know, if it's not a King James, burn it or some extremist like that, that Al Mohler's now accountable for that because he's a Southern Baptist leader? No. So just because there's a fringe thing here, I'm not going to react to every fringe thing. If Here, 
I was part of the Brownsville Revival. I stand by what God did in the Brownsville Revival. The fruit remains decades later. The fruit of changed lives, of saved souls, of true disciples, of true converts, of people set free from sin who are now serving God around the world and preaching the gospel to the hurting, to the poor, to the lost, to the dying. And some have been on the mission field now over 20 years since being transformed in the Brownsville Revival. If you have questions about that that I was involved with, have at it by all means. But, but friends, this idea that you're going to prove your orthodoxy by renouncing every fringe thing that happens somewhere, that is crazy that's unrelated to Scripture, and it's a complete distraction. So I'm not dancing to the beat of the hypercritics, but I'm going to get really specific when we come back, and you'll be shocked. Trust me, you'll be shocked by what you hear. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I wouldn't do anything in partnership with him. I wouldn't because I think he is dangerous. The thing that we should be labeling Michael Brown, the adjective that we should use for Michael Brown is the dangerous Michael Brown. Danger. Every time I say danger. Every time I say danger. Every time I yeah, let it be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, dangerous to the devices of Satan, dangerous to error, dangerous to falsehood, dangerous to the flesh. Let it be dangerous, Michael Brown. My honor for the Lord. 866-34-TRUTH. Again, I'm not mad at anyone. Anyone that I'm quoting on the air today, I have reached out to them many a time privately or had dialogue with them by phone, or they have been on the air calling in. And to this day, if any of these brothers that I differ with want to sit down, they may not call me your brother, that's fine, I'm not going to reciprocate. But if they want to sit down face-to-face and have dialogue, interaction, or have a public debate or dialogue, absolutely, with joy. My concern is that those that are trying to correct deception are deceiving others. Those who are caring about truth and purity in the body are defiling with division and false witness and in the process rejecting the beautiful, wonderful things that the Holy Spirit is doing in conformity with the Word of God and to the glory of Jesus. That's what grieves me. And I'm calling on people to step higher and do better. And while, honestly, I don't have a lot of hope right now in the hypercritics changing their stance, I'm hoping that those whom they're influencing would learn to dig a little deeper, and get the facts. Okay, so last August, a series of allegations were published against evangelist Todd Bentley online, page after page on Facebook, and I addressed that in an article. Now, here's Phil Johnson giving a presentation a few months back, which I, I just saw for the first time when it was sent to me a few days ago. Here he is addressing this and how I handle it. So here he is with notes in front of him. You think he's going to give you a fair representation. So let's listen to what he has to say. In the wake of these latest revelations about Todd Bentley's moral perversions, Michael Brown wrote this. He says, I have no comment on the most recent accusations against Todd since I don't know what's false and what's true. That has routinely been his answer when he's challenged 
to acknowledge or, or critique specific cases of charismatic charlatanism. All right, so you think, wow, that was, that was very telling that I said I can't say either way. That's really shameful. That's a shameful, really dishonest thing that Phil did. Why? Well, let's, let's start here. Let's look at the article that he's quoting from. I'm not wondering, did he read this? Did he see this? Just the article he's quoting from. When it comes to dealing with scandals, the church must do better than the National Enquirer. All right, so let's, let's read what I said. The Internet is burning up. This is August 26, 2019. The Internet is burning up with news of yet another scandal in the church, this time with serious accusations against charismatic evangelist Todd Bentley. What is God saying to his people through this current crisis? Regarding Todd's situation, I have no specific comment since, one, I have not supported him being in ministry since his divorce and remarriage in 2008, and I am on public record to that effect. Did Phil tell that to his audience? Did he tell them that I had publicly rejected his ministry since 2008? No, he didn't even give a hint of that. And two, I have no connection of any kind to Todd and his ministry. I also disagreed publicly with the way other leaders handle things in Lakeland where Todd became prominent. And I know that Phil read my book, Authentic Fire, which was a response to Strange Fire. And in that book, specifically, I mentioned Todd Bentley by name, specifically said that during the Lakeland Revival, I journaled that this is an accident waiting to happen, specifically took issue with major things that happened in the Lakeland Revival. And that is in writing years ago. All right. So when it comes to the quote that, that Phil pulls out, okay, when I said that when it comes to the, uh, the specifics, I have no comment since I don't know what's false and true. I said, I already rejected his ministry. I've already spoken out against his ministry. I don't believe he should be in ministry. I've said that over 10 years ago, okay? But I said, in this case, I don't know what's false and true, meaning I, I haven't investigated the accusations. Just because they're accusations, what if they're accusations against Phil Johnson or John MacArthur or, or somebody else? You don't just believe them because they're out there. Even if I had if thought they were credible, I wasn't going to comment on them because I didn't know whether they're false or true. But I'd already rejected his ministry anyway. Phil gives a very, very misleading presentation. But then here's what I keep writing. But I do know this, and that applies especially to those of us in leadership. God gives us many opportunities to repent in private before allowing us to be exposed publicly. In other words, if this is true, then you better believe that, that God's been dealing with Todd for years about this. If we keep sweeping sin under the rug, it will come back to haunt us and to bite us. That's why it's always best to repent quickly, completely, and without excuse, casting ourselves in the mercy of God. He's more than able to forgive and even restore. No question. What Phil did was completely misleading. That is bearing false witness against me, a brother. Why? To paint a picture that goes along with a false narrative. Friends, that's not godly. That's not the spirit of Christ. That's not holy. That's not biblical. It is negative, and it is destructive. Now, the plot thickens, okay? It ended up that I agreed to lead a panel with others who were not going to investigate his ministry practices, whether they liked the way he operated or not, but specifically were the charges against him true, all right? So at great personal cost, I got involved with this. Other leaders got involved. On my end, it was a tremendously taxing thing with lots of attack from every side 
for doing this and taking this on. Okay, And I was not on the panel of judges because I had already disqualified Todd. So I just guaranteed that there would be a fair hearing of the evidence. An outside investigator was hired and brought in. He spent over 200 hours doing interviews, investigating charges. And as a result, the five-person panel came down with a very, very strong word against Todd being in ministry. Absolutely disqualified from ministry. And no way he should be back in ministry unless there were years of restoration that took place. And under no circumstances should he ever lead a ministry again. At the same time, the panel of judges recognized that he had been supernaturally gifted by God. Remember, you had Samson supernaturally gifted and yet fell into sin. And I hope Todd is right with God or gets right with God and, and walks with the Lord in humility the rest of his days. I hope that happens. Whether he's ever in ministry or not, I don't know that'll happen. But before Lakeland and when Todd was not well known, people have told me about his love for Jesus. They've said, oh yeah, I knew him back then and things changed dramatically over the years. But they talked about the gifting and healings and miracles that took place in Jesus' name. So what we did, what the panel did, and these were not my words, but the panel's words, very strongly, overwhelmingly disqualified him from ministry. Years it would take of repentance and demonstrating change to come back into ministry and should never lead a ministry again. How does Pulpit and Pen report this? Look at the headline in Pulpit and Pen. All right. What does it say? Dr. Michael Brown says Todd Bentley is supernaturally gifted by God, sees path to restoration. That's blatant deception. First, those weren't my words anyway. That's what the panel said. I simply printed what the panel said. That's number one. Number two, that gives a completely misleading impression of what the panel did. And you got to read through the whole article to even find out more of the reality of things. Friends, this is dishonest. This is deceptive. That's why I just ignore this stuff. A bunch of things happen at the same time. I thought, okay, I'm going to address this and then move on. But this is the type of stuff that we deal with. Here, I'll give you one more example. I'm looking at the clock. All right, tell you what. I'm not going to have time to do that. But <clears throat> I'm going to give you a preview of what's coming. And I want to say this leading up to it. We're going to reference Bethel Church next, all right? Because I have a relationship with Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton, I spoke at Bethel once. I spent some time with Bill here and there in different meetings. We've emailed each other back and forth. I don't know, maybe 15 emails. Chris and I interact every so often. Because I have a relationship, not, not close, we don't spend lots of time together, maybe had a couple of meals with Chris and maybe one with Bill over the years, okay? But because they're often in the spotlight and because there's a lot of criticism, if I spot something that concerns me, I'll write to them directly. And then I'll say, okay, what do you think about this? Because I've heard this. And they say, no, 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 that's not what we believe. Okay, or actually... That was said foolishly, and, and we repudiate that. We don't believe in that. Yeah, one of our leaders said it, but we don't believe in that anymore. All right? So I'm going to do my best to do that. And I've sought to do it with all the hypercritics as well to reach out privately. All right? But if I see something that's public, for example, there was a statement that went out from a group helping people deal with same-sex attraction at Bethel that was posted on Facebook. It's actually a fine group, and they're seeking to do what's right, and they fully recognize homosexual practice as sin they have an incredible ministry reaching out to people struggling and helping them find wholeness and transformation in Jesus. There was something posted on Facebook, and, and it was so 
wrongly worded that not only did I reach out privately, but I posted an article publicly as well, correcting it because I, it was not what they intended to say. It came out wrongly. So I'll, I'll do that. That was just last year. I'll do that. But I welcome constructive criticism. I'm not a defender of Bethel. I'm not a leader in Bethel. I have no formal relationship with, with Bethel. 90% of what's taught, practice, believe 95%, I wouldn't know because I'm not there, all right? But Pastor Mike Winger, non-charismatic, but not anti-charismatic, has a, a video. He sent us, oh, a year plus ago, and my assistant Dylan listened to all of it and said, very fair criticism. Fine, by all means, fair, constructive criticism, bring it on. Discuss it, my ministry, anyone else's ministry. So I welcome that warmly. It's the destructive, deceptive criticism that is so dangerous and divisive. Remember, God hates it when his children stir up and cite dissension. The hypercritics do that all the time. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Let us be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. This is Michael Brown. I'm not mad at Todd Friel. I'm not mad at Justin Peters. I'm not mad at Phil Johnson. I'm not mad at John MacArthur. I'm not mad at, at Chris, at uh, Pirate Christian Radio. I'm, I'm grieved, burdened, but not mad. And pray for my brothers to get their hearts right with God and their minds right with Scripture in terms of some of the bogus attacks and destructive attacks and unhelpful, unhelpful attacks. There may be a zeal, but it's misguided. And where there are valid critiques, wonderful. Come on, bring it on. I'm engaged in that all the time, behind the scenes and publicly, in all different parts of the body. Bring it on. But when it's destructive criticism, it hurts more than it helps. So let me give you a specific example. This whole grave-soaking thing. And again, I'm, I'm not the defender of Bethel. I've interacted with Chris and Bill privately and, and said, hey, I take issue with this, or I've heard you say this. What do you actually mean? And we've gone back and forth. I, I mentioned right before the break, that there was a post from a group within Bethel on their Facebook page that misworded things in a dangerous way, and I immediately wrote an article addressing it and then interact with folks behind the scenes and, and made sure that, that wording was better in the future, and that was their intent and their heart because we agreed on the fundamentals of the issues. So I'm happy to do that for the, for the good of the body, all right? But it's, it's the misinformation. It's the bearing of false witness that concerns me. All right, so let's listen to what Justin Peters said interacting with Todd Friel. This is grave-soaking yes. territory that we're talking yes. about. Yes. Describe what that is. They right. believe that when a one of their generals, one of their, like, whether it's Amy Simple McPherson or Catherine Kuhlman or Smith Wigglesworth, one of these charismatic generals, quote-unquote, from days gone by, when they die, there's an anointing that resides on their bones. And, and hence the, the, the grave. And if you go and lay on the tomb or lay on the grave, you can actually soak up this anointing from these dead people. That is, 
That is straight out of the occult. The occult. That is that is demonic. And and that is that is a normal practice for Bethel. Uh, right? All right. So Todd, you just bore false witness. It's not a normal practice for Bethel. Years ago, when Chris Valadin heard that some people were doing it, so the executive pastor there, he issued a lengthy statement on Facebook completely repudiating it. And then I asked Bill Johnson about this, so the senior leader at Bethel, and he was on the air with me a few years ago. And I welcomed critics to call in. I said, I'll ask some questions, but you've got to ask the rest. And not a single critic called in. Interesting. They had the opportunity to speak to Bill directly. So I asked Bill about this. Let's listen to the clip from our interaction. Do you endorse, preach, teach, encourage the practice of going to the, the graves of deceased men and women of God to try to suck the anointing uh, out no, of the earth? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> we don't, goodness, we don't talk to the dead. We don't look for impartation from the dead. We don't worship the dead. But I, I will go to, you know, I've gone to Charles Finney's gravesite, and I'll pray, God, do in our in our country what you did through him, and I'll I'll yes. use it as a as a point of faith to. I, I feel like we are supposed to honor. I don't know that you need to go to a gravesite, but um, but I I have gone. I've gone to Evan Roberts and I've prayed there. God, do what you did in Wales. Do it again. Release it all over the earth. And so I, I use it as a you know as a point of reminder of how God uh, used somebody in the past, uh, but not to receive from them, but just as a. Just you know, it's just uh, like like a postcard or something to remind you of some other place. And so I, I, I do. I pray into it and I say, God, please release that again. Right. So, what's wrong with that? If if I if I was by the gravesite of John Wesley in England, I'd say, Oh God, what you did through John Wesley, do again today. You know, you go to a certain place where this is famous in history and. God, you moved here. Move again. It's it's a reminder. It makes it real. You're in Israel. You know, I'm pray, praying at the wall, the Western Wall in Israel, and I'm praying for the salvation of Jewish people while they're thinking how many tears have been shed there, okay? But the idea of going to the grave to soak up the anointing or suck it, the senior leaders of Bethel categorically denounce it and say, it is wrong. We don't do it. We don't believe in it. It is not a normal practice at Bethel. He said, well, I've seen, I've seen pictures Yes, some people did it. So, you know how many hundreds of thousands of people have been touched by Bethel? How many tens of thousands have gone through the school of ministry? How many hundreds of thousands have visited the church there? You can have some people do weird things. Well, I saw Bill Johnson's wife. But first, you don't know what she was doing at the grave. And second, even if she did something stupid, Bill's saying we don't believe that. It is bearing false witness, Okay. It is bearing false witness to say it is a normal practice at Bethel. And I know folks that have been at Bethel for years. And when I asked them about it, it's like, what are you talking about? Of course we wouldn't do something like that. That's consulting with the dead. And Bill was blatant about it. Well, he's lying. Friend, then I can't help you. Then I can't help you. When you have no systematic evidence to prove your point other than a picture here and there, number one. Number two, when the senior leaders reject something, number three, where you can talk to every senior leader through the organization and they'll reject it. Enough said. But, but here, here's the dangerous nature of what happens with this bearing of false witness. I'll use myself as an example here. So uh, last week, I guess on Friday's broadcast, someone posted a question on Facebook. Now, normally during the Q&A, because we had so many calls on Friday, I just answer questions from calls. But it was suggested 
to me by a team member, hey, why don't you answer this question that's on the board here? And it said, okay, what about tarot cards or destiny cards? You're using tarot cards for, for, for Christian outreach. What do you think about it? Now, I was asked this question uh, a year ago, something like that, a group I'd never heard of in another part of the world, allegedly uh, using tarot cards for Christian outreach. I didn't know anything about it, and I'm not going to pursue every la- I It's not an issue to me. If it was some prevalent practice, if it was something I was hearing about a lot, fine. But one group out there, I, that's not my interest to go pursuing that. The hypercritics are going to do that as if that's the new charismatic practice. Oh, so, so one ten-thousandth of a percent of charismatics in the world have ever heard of it. Now you're going to brand and label all charismatics over that. So I said, I, I don't know about it. What I heard, because I read an article, all right? What I heard and what I read said something very different. No, 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 tarot cards. We just have these cards. We make some of scripture verse on them and things like that. And we go to these psychic fairs and things. And we, we ask people, hey, would you like to come into our tent, you know, and, and use our cards? And they use it to then reach people with the gospel. I said, but I don't know anything about it. And I never followed through because it was not an issue to me. Now, the folks involved with it, have subsequently contacted our ministry and want to come on the air and discuss it. So we're going to try to set that up and then by all means call in and you'll be able to talk to them directly, okay? Because I don't know exactly what's going on. You say, yeah, but but Chris and Pirate Radio exposed it. I don't watch Chris on Pirate Radio. I don't watch the critics. There's a ton of stuff I don't watch, okay? If they're doing some good stuff, great. If they're doing some bad stuff, that's their business, you know, unless it's intersecting in a dangerous way that we're going to confront it. I don't want what he exposed. I don't watch it because I've seen so much garbage, so much misrepresentation, so much mockery, so much, so much defaming of of good people. I'm not going to bother with it. Okay, so I addressed the question last week pretty much the same way. If they're using tarot cards, if they're if they're using anything like this, anything related to witchcraft, of course you run from that, absolutely. But if they've got your scripture cards or something. Or things is just colors, you know, different colors here. Come in here and we use these and then they pray with the people and try to use it to say, hey, uh, we're sensing this and we feel the Lord has a word for you. And then they open the scriptures. I said, that's another thing. I don't know because I never looked into it. I didn't bother to see that Chris exposed to that because it's just, why am I even thinking about it? It's a fringe thing somewhere out there that somebody reported. Okay. So here's the way the critics are reporting this. Are, Are you ready for this? A bunch of people sent this to me. Where is your biblical discernment? There I am. And what does it say? Dr. Michael Brown endorses witchcraft to promote the gospel. May the Lord forgive you for your slander. Whoever the group is that posts it, there's no name associated with it, okay? May the Lord forgive you for your slander and, and shame on you for posting something so idiotic and ridiculous and false. But you know what happens when you bear false witness? Okay, check this out. Somebody tweets the other day, I, I posted a, a statement today, if you're not nasty, mean spirit, insulting, demeaning people, it's talking especially politically, even Christians accuse you of being weak. To the contrary, it requires much more strength to stand for principled righteousness without being nasty, mean spirit, insulting, demeaning. And somebody tweets, you endorse witchcraft. Brother in the Lord. See, friends, that's the danger of this. Let me say it again. It is a sin to bear false witness against a brother or sister. In Jesus. That tweet, okay, that was based on ignorance, I hope. But the others, that is outright sin. Let me tell you this. I am far more concerned with hypercritics 
bearing false witness, then a group somewhere that I don't know, that I've had no relationship with, contact with, that to, to my knowledge is just doing something in one particular area with some people, allegedly using Christian tarot cards. There's no such thing as Christian tarot cards. If it's tarot cards, it's not Christian. End of subject, period. <clears throat> but I'm far more concerned with the hypercritics bearing false witness. And you say, well, you have to be more careful. When I am careful, well, you're just not willing to take a stand. And you want to hear the extreme statements that hypercritics get away with? Um, Check this out. Check out this, oh, let's see here, clip number eight. Listen to some of the extreme statements from the hypercritics, but these are perfectly fine. We have it. Clip All right, hang on. Clip number eight, here we go issue than even abortion because abortion yeah it slaughters infants and we all deplore that and all of that but these are false prophets who are ushering people into hell what's he talking about if you listen to jesus culture music that is more dangerous that is worse than abortion phil johnson said well (laughs) that's just an extreme quote well okay check this out justin peters clip number nine let's just say Planned Parenthood decides to write some Christian music that would pass a doctrinal smell test. Would you sing it in your church? Knowing that some money every time you sing that song is going to support an organization that murders babies, would you sing that song in your church? I would submit to you that singing Bethel and Hillsong when you're sending money to those false churches, that's far worse. Yeah, Justin, that's a real shame. You know what grieves me the most? Because you're not going to hurt Bethel Hill's song. And wherever I differ with them, I differ with them. That's not the issue. But seeing people in the audience that are taking this seriously and their own lives are being hurt, injured, that, friend, is what grieves me. Oh, there's more to come. You want to see what gets justified? You want to see the misstatements that get justified? Stay right here. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I'll give you an idea how a little leaven leavens the whole lump and how a lie spreads, all right? Just looking at a tweet from Progressing Pilgrim, Dr. Brown when Justin Peters says the practice of grave soaking is normal practice at Bethel Church, that was actually Todd Friel who added that in, he's not referring to the frequency of the action, but rather to the fact that the action itself is considered normative in their theology. Please don't misrepresent. That's false. Progressive Pilgrim, that is 100% false. You just bore false witness against Bethel. They have never taught it as leaders. They have never advocated it as leaders. And the senior leaders have categorically rejected it as wrong and as error, period. That's, that's a fact. Well, when I heard it is a fact. But I saw this book. Get it out of the horse's mouth. Show me where any senior leader teacher at Bethel in Reading advocated grave soaking. It does not exist Okay, in terms of something they advocate. Did people do it? Yes, some people did it. 
And when word got out it was being done, there were public statements made against it. <clears throat> but here, give me an example that every syllable is going to be parsed. And look, Bill Johnson, is there, his, his, uh, his son-in-law once said something, or his son or son-in-law, that was a bad statement on the air. Asked Bill about it. He said, yeah, wrong. He didn't state that clearly. His daughter said something once. It was a weird statement. He said, yeah, it's wrong language too. She doesn't use that anymore. Happy to admit to uh, an error or a mistake, okay? But here, I'll give you a perfect example of unequal weights and measures. This is something else God hates in Scripture. You go through the Word over and over. He hates unequal weights and measures. You'll find it is a major thing. It is unethical. So, on the one hand, extreme misstatements by the hypercritics are defended. And then a statement that could be ambiguous by a charismatic or something is going to be pulled out of context and painted in the worst possible way. All right, so let's listen. Go back to the Strange Fire Conference, Pastor John MacArthur, and it's going to be clip number 10. The charismatic movement has stolen the Holy Spirit and created a golden calf, and they're dancing around the golden calf as if it were the Holy Spirit. It is a false form of the Holy Spirit. They have co-opted the Holy Spirit and demanded to do that without being criticized, without being confronted, and they go on with their exploitation. And so true testimony concerning the Holy Spirit is pushed and repressed underground because it's going to be divisive. They're not going to like it. It'll offend somebody. So the charismatic version of the Holy Spirit is that golden calf who is not God, not God the Holy Spirit, but a false creation, an idol around which they dance in their dishonoring exercises. Of course, I can refute that systematically based on Scripture, and then the fringe practices are not practices that I hold to or endorse. By the way, I have no desire to be looked at as some moderate charismatic by the hypercritics. I'm not looking for praise of man. I've reached out for the sake of unity, and so we can help one another. Their strengths, my strengths, and we can help one another in the Lord, but that's been refused up to now. But I, I want to honor the Lord. If people think I'm crazy or if people think I'm great, is is very secondary. But John MacArthur then made a statement. He said, where's the charismatic hospital? Charismatics haven't built any. In, in other words, it is such a greedy, self-centered movement The Charismatics haven't even built a hospital. I mean, one of the more shocking statements you could imagine. So when I had Phil Johnson on immediately after Strange Fire, he was gracious enough to come right on the air, which to this day I appreciate. I asked him that point blank because you could give a mountain of examples of extraordinary, sacrificial, compassionate, hands-on work by Charismatics all around the world in caring for the poor, in hospitals, and you name it on and on and on the list goes in staggering, beautiful, God-glorifying ways. So I challenged the statement by Pastor MacArthur and asked Phil Johnson about it directly. This is what he said. Well, I strongly agree with him, actually. I mean, I've done quite a bit of work uh, in other parts of the world as well, and it seems to me that American televangelists who, who are involved worldwide as a group, and, and yeah, there are exceptions, all right, but as a group, the televangelists, the best-known charismatics who have exported their theology from America to India to, uh, to Africa to third-world countries as a whole, as a group, uh, what they do is, is uh, for their own self-aggrandizement, to bilk people out of money. All right, so he will not repudiate a blatantly false statement. 
it's got to be one of the most embarrassingly wrong statements that a man of Pastor MacArthur's extraordinary stature has ever made in his life. Extraordinarily wrong. I mean, I, I t- come with me. and I'll take you to places around the world and see the charismatic hospitals and, and the, the sacrificial ministry. I'll take you all over America to see work after work after work in charismatic Pentecostal circles. That is, is as Jesus-exalting, sacrificial, helping the poor, helping the needy as you can imagine. All right? No, because you got the, the prosperity preachers and there people are following prosperity preachers. Therefore, I'm going to back up a false statement. I responded. This is what I said in my response to Phil Johnson. It troubles me that you won't repudiate things that are blatantly false. Like when he says, where's the hospital that the charismatics have built? or Where's the social good? He, he didn't nuance it and say, based on their charismatic theology, which, which I say it is, by the way. Why okay, can't you a- simply say, in respect to your, you know, your senior leader, yeah, he overstated that? And, and see well, this- because I don't think he did. Yeah. Sorry to cut off Phil there. Uh, so, yeah, so where John McCarthy says, where is the charismatic hospital? So we'll, we'll go. We'll go to them around the world. And in my book, Authentic Fire, I list example after example after example. Where is the social good? In Authentic Fire, I list example after example after example. That statement won't be repudiated. Whereas you take something, pull it out of a message, all right, or a, just a picture of somebody doing something odd, and now you're going to damn someone's whole ministry based on that, all right? Friends, that's dangerous practice. It's divisive. It's destructive. Now, listen, I fully understand that when I do a broadcast like this, it's going to result in a flood of articles, videos, attacking, and Brown will call out this one, but he won't call out his own. Hey, I've written whole books, quote, calling out my own. I'm about to head to Nigeria, God willing. Uh, Our own ministry helped fund the printing of books in, in a, uh, an inexpensive English edition with the agreement of our publisher so that I could get books like Playing with Holy Fire out in Nigeria, all right? So I could get Can You Be Gained Christian because that deception is even coming in. So as churches are growing in leaps and bounds in Nigeria, there's tremendous mixture. I mean, there's some of the finest Christians on the planet you'll meet, people who love Jesus and are serving God in holiness and purity and honor and reaching the lost and doing amazing works. I know folks that have worked in Nigeria for many, many, many years, many years. And, and, and one of our missionaries over there in, in Nigeria, very near to terrorism and, and risks her life really just living there to help the poorest of the poor and to reach Muslim communities there. We can attest to fine Christian after fine Christian in Nigeria. And then there's tremendous mixture there's a lot of damage done by extreme uh, hyper-grace manifestations or, or emphases and real heavy word of faith emphasis with, a, with an extreme prosperity message and some real charlatans and real corrupt stuff. I haven't been there uh, to work with the church just one, one trip years ago and to say firsthand uh, exactly you know, who certain people are, some of the leaders who are charlatans and things like that. But I have friends of mine there who have been calling these things out and seeking to bring correction. And I did last year, I didn't have my visa in time. So I did meetings with hundreds of leaders there by Skype addressing these things and going back to do a leadership conference to pour in and to address these things. I'm going to continue to do that. 
Most of the books I've written in terms of wake-up, shake-up, corrective books have been written dealing with errors within my own charismatic Pentecostal community. I'll continue to do that. Let me say this again. I welcome constructive criticism. But, but, when you pull something out, I've seen it done. The different gentlemen I referred to, I've seen them pull something out of a sermon, not listen to the rest of what followed, give a very misleading impression, and then you damn the person as a heretic. So here's the deal. Constructive criticism is needed. It's needed among the charismatics and among the non-charismatics. And I'll tell you this, the churches where I've been in for years now around the world that are into the word the most, that are the most prayerful, and that are the most engaged in outreach are charismatic Pentecostal churches. And interestingly, a world survey done right before Strange Fire actually indicated that those that identified as charismatic Pentecostal held to a higher view of the authority of Scripture, mm-hmm, held to uh, practice reading Scripture more and personalize, were more prayerful, were more involved in outreach, and were every bit as involved in helping the poor and the needy. I'm concerned about those who reject the things of the Spirit today. And friends, my offer stands. If you are a non-charismatic scholar, professor, teacher, and you have the credentials worthy of representing your position, let's have a debate. Not about fringes and extremes, because I reject those as well. But let's have a debate about what the Word says. And perhaps certain things that you're writing off as extreme are actually in accordance with Scripture. Let's use equal weights and measures. And let's listen to the prayer of Jesus, praying that we'd be one. And let's listen to Paul's call to do everything in our power to bring about unity. I'm not going to overlook issues, doctrines, but I'm going to pursue unity in the midst of our differences. And if you write me off as unsaved, heretic, I feel so bad because when you stand with Jesus and me together, you'll see that we're close and that we have a good relationship. And I wish you could enjoy that relationship with me here and now, if not in the world to come. Change the world. 